0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) is the Dan Grosser Show.
2: We looked at this Yankee lineup and we said, you know what? They're not that good either. But we knew that from the beginning. But the crazy thing here is and this is what management looks at. It's still over 500. You look at the Mets, they're a bunch of games under 500.
3: The Mets' performance this year, it's bad anyway, but it looks even worse based on what the Yankees are doing and have been able to do even without Aaron Judge in the lineup and even with the lineup that they put out there on a regular basis.
2: Remember last year this time, Gord, they both were in first place. Mm -hmm. The Yankees were setting records the mets were mm-hmm. rolling mm-hmm. it was like the center of the baseball universe was new york city it was it was glorious what a difference a year makes
1: this is the dan Grasse show on 98.7 espn
2: gordon and i have company we welcome in pat ragazzo does a great job covering the Mets and baseball for sports illustrated pat it's gordon and larry how are you my friend
4: i'm great guys how are you guys doing thanks so much for having me
2: Thank you for giving us a couple of minutes. All right, uh Pat, give me your takeaway from Steve Cohen's presser today.
4: Yeah, so there was a couple of things with Steve Cohen's presser. Uh, you know, he spoke about being a realist. He understands where the Mets are at right now. They're you know, they're a number of games below five hundred. Uh the division looks completely out of sight. And uh, you know, they entered tonight eight and a half games back of the wild card of the third wild card spot in the N L. So You know, Steve Cohen's a realist, and um, if the Mets don't turn things around in the next month, he's going to sell. And he made that pretty clear. And uh, he also spoke about how he's in in the hunts for a president of baseball operations uh, to be above Billy Epler making the baseball decisions there. So that's another thing. And uh, my third takeaway uh, was that, uh, you know, he did offer a vote of confidence for Buck Showalter and Billy Epler's jobs. that they will have their jobs for the remainder of the year so um yeah so that's those are kind of the three main takeaways that I got from the press conference and also uh you know Steve Cohen's viewed as this big spender uh you know the Mets have a historic payroll this year 377 million but even Steve Cohen today admitted that that's not sustainable and that's not the model that he wants to go after is to continue to spend that way so Uh, That kind of tells me that they might not be in on Shohei Otani as much as people have been speculating. So, um, yeah, those those are kind of the main takeaways I got from this press conference today.
3: Pat, did anything surprise you that Steve Cohen said today or was it what
4: you kind of expected? It's what I kind of expected. I mean, he's proven in his three years as owner of the team that he's not this reactionary George Steinbrenner-type owner where he's going to start rolling heads when things aren't going well, if the team's in a rut uh i'm not you know entirely surprised that he's looking for a president of baseball operations i mean uh bill Eppler uh has has been the main baseball decision maker over the past two years and uh you know the mets just haven't made uh the best moves uh you know whether it be in free agency or the trade the trade deadline um so yeah so i'm again i'm not nothing really surprised me about what steve cohen said today but um you know that's just the kind of owner that he's he's proven to be over the past three
2: years, Pat. If indeed, and there's the way they've played, there's no reason to think that they will turn it around to to the point that they the Mets would become buyers. So if they are going to be sellers, what are some of the pieces that they can get rid of to try to get, you know, some pieces for the minor league system, and what could that mean for how this team looks next season? Well,
4: right. I mean, I think that. A guy like David Robinson is going to be one of the main, uh, you know, trade chips that they that they have. One of the most realistic pieces for them to trade. Uh, you know, maybe they can get a mid-level prospect back. But I mean, there's not a lot of value with, uh, you know, with some of the easier guys who they could trade, like a Mark Canna or uh, you know, a, a Daniel Vogelback, or um, you know, an Adam Ottavino, or or David Robinson. But you know, you look at you know Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who both each have another year left on their deal, 43 million each. Um, That's, you know, maybe somewhere where if the Mets decide to pay some of the salary or pay a little, you know, pay maybe all the salary, they, they could get, you know, some good prospects in return, um, you know, at the deadline. It just depends, you know, who they're going to pair with and and who's going to be willing to either take on part of those contracts and and give up top prospects for these aging starters or, uh, or yeah, or, or, you know, take on a guy like a Markana or or even a Starling Marte. Um so so yeah, so there's there's some value there. Uh there's more value with, with Verlander and Scherzer, but those guys are probably more unrealistic to be moved at the deadline.
3: Pat, what's the level of trust, and maybe this is impossible to answer, that Steve Cohen would have in if they are sellers at the trade deadline and Billy Epler, given that what the team that he put together is, is this historically uh, disastrous kind of team based on the payroll? Is that the guy that they want making these selling off kind of moves, especially given how the buying moves last off season, uh, last uh, trade deadline didn't work out?
4: That's a great question. I mean, that's, that, that is definitely something uh, you know, that, that could be of concern is, you know, the Mets, the, the Mets swung and missed at the trade deadline last year. And, they didn't have that good of an offseason uh, this past year, um, you know, signing players and filling holes the way that they thought they were. Um, so that probably tells me that Steve Cohen's going to be more involved in the trade deadline maybe than he would have been last year, uh, you know, if if uh, you know if he is allowing Billy Epplers to be the guy to uh, to make these trades at the deadline this year.
2: Pat Ragazzo is our guest. Does a great job covering MLB for SIs. Hardesty and Damer in for Dan Grass on 98.7 ESPN. Pat, what is taking so long to get the president of baseball operations? I mean, my goodness, isn't there somebody who wants to take this job?
4: Well, I think all signs are pointing to David Stearns. The Mets tried to interview him uh, two off-seasons ago and were denied uh, the request by uh, Mark Antanasio, the owner of the Brewers. But uh, David Stearns is going to be out of his contract after this season ends, and uh, the fit, with the Mets seems all too perfect. And I think that he's, he's going to be the guy. I think, I think it's, it's David Stearns or bust for the Mets with that president of the baseball operations job.
2: Quick follow-up Gordon, Theo Epstein. No,
4: (laughs) somebody else. I don't think, I don't think Theo Epstein wants the job. I mean, again, Hmm. they, they went to him, uh, you know, they requested to interview him, uh, two off seasons ago as well. At the same time as Stearns. And, uh, and he wasn't interested in the job. He's, you know, he's working in the, in the front office of, uh, of of MLB. And uh, it doesn't seem like he's, he's going to want the job, but uh, you know, it it is possible that they, that they try and make another run at him to interview him. But, uh, but, but it it doesn't seem like that's the job that he's going to want.
3: We've heard, we've seen a couple of the Mets uh, prospects already up. The one that has, we've not seen at the major league level yet is, is Mar- Ronnie Mauricio. W- do you expect that kind of move to come anytime soon? Uh, even if to just kind of give the, the current team a little bit of a spark. It seems like when the other kids came up, it kind of gave them a little bit of a spark. Do you get the sense that, that, that they might be calling up Mauricio
4: anytime soon? I think it's definitely possible. I mean, he's torn the cover off the ball in A and it's, He's, you know, he's been moved off shortstop and playing a lot of second base, playing some left field. So uh, especially if, if the Mets are out of it, uh, you know, it's kind of a, he, a situation where he could come up and uh, in a non-pressure situation and uh, not be asked to be the savior, uh, you know, like maybe Alvarez or, or Beatty were kind of expected to when they were called up. But, um, yeah, I think that Ronnie Mauricio making his major league debut, you know, makes a lot of sense. And I think it's it's definitely realistic, you know, in the coming months that, Uh, it's it's definitely a possible move that the Mets could make.
2: Pat, I'm curious, from the folks that you speak to around the league and scouts and whatnot, what are people saying about Scherzer and Verlander and how they've looked so far this year? Well,
4: uh, Verlander is, is, you know, first of all, Verlander, uh, you know, is a guy who he started off the season with an injury and he came back and he's kind of been trying to get, get into sort of a rhythm, which, you know, Scherzer... Uh, in, in the same breath, has struggled with, uh, you know, getting in a rhythm. And, uh, you know, earlier in the year when he was suspended and he was injured and uh, he had a start pushback, you know, and, and he got scratched from starts. And uh, I think that both those guys, from what I've heard, you know, just uh, it's just a matter of, of getting in a rhythm. And, uh, you know, sure, with Verlander it's his curveball. And with Scherzer, it's his slider. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, both guys, there was some concern about uh, you know, at least uh Scherzer's velocity earlier in the year, but uh, you know, he's he's kinda gotten it back and uh and Brolander's, and you know, given the Mets some good starts, but he's also been inconsistent. So uh for both of them it's really just about finding consistency. But uh, you know, scouts don't necessarily see anything uh to you know, to pinpoint the the struggles that they've had at times this year. Um it's it's just a matter of uh, you know, finding consistency and uh, taking the ball every shift. uh
3: Pat, as someone who's around the team on a regular basis from afar, it, it seems like there's a malaise uh, surrounding the team with the way that they're playing. How would you characterize the the sense uh, being around the team of what the what's going on with them
4: right now? Well, there is you know a little level of you know disappointment. Obviously, I mean um, you know it's it, it's it's getting late right now. Steve Cohen said that today too. It's getting late. Uh, you know, guys are starting to realize, like, all right, wait, like we might not be able to turn things around, uh, you know, if we keep playing this way. If we're not, they're not finding the consistency that they should be finding. And uh, we're getting – we're almost into July now. And uh, in about a month or so, if, if this continues, they're not going to be buyers. The front office isn't going to bring in reinforcements to help the team get better. And the, they're going to be trading guys away instead. So, yeah, there's, there's a level of disappointment, I would say, in the clubhouse right now. Um, but obviously that could be turned around with a winning streak, but they just haven't been able to put it together. Uh, that's just kind of sums up this team this year.
2: It's really crazy, and and you know, Pat, we knew that the bullpen was going to take a hit, okay, because of of injuries, but, I mean, the depth of this bullpen combined with the problems of, of the starters giving you consistent length, it's really shown how bad this bullpen is.
4: Yeah, the the loss of Edwin Diaz has really trickled down. Um and you know, when you have guys like Jeff Brigham and Josh Walker who are asked to get big outs in close games where you're winning, um, that just kind of sums up the uh you know, the issue with the twenty twenty three mix. Uh, you know, it's and it just hasn't been uh it hasn't gone, you know, the way things were planned. I mean, obviously losing Diaz is He's irreplaceable, but uh but it's it's really had a had a domino effect on the rest of the bullpen.
3: Pat, where do you think the Mets have to be uh by the trade deadline to be buyers? Do they have to be back at five hundred? Do they have to be closer to the, 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 the wild card race? Is where where would you think they would have to be at the bare minimum to not be sellers at the trade deadline?
4: I think they would have to be above 500 and, and at least within a couple of games of the wild card spot. Uh, I think that's that's really the most realistic um, realistic positioning for this team. You know, at that point, is, is uh, you know a uh, couple of games over 500 and at least within striking distance of the wild card.
2: I know you mentioned about frustration and when you talk to the players, has. Has Buck, has Buck kind of lost the team a little bit? Are they still responding to him based on what what, what you're hearing from the guys? Or, 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 because it just seems as though, like, as buttoned up as they were last year, Pat, and you know you were with the team, the base running mistakes, the fielding errors of this month has been – it's almost like there's a little, there's, there's a little, you know, dis, the distance between him and them and just a little conversation and whatnot. Does he, are they still listening to him? Is he, Does he still have this clubhouse?
4: Yeah, he. Did. I mean, there has been a lack of crispness this year and fundamentals, which is what the Mets were known for last year, being a, a very uh, heads-up baseball team, very fundamentally sound and crisp under Buck Showalter. And uh, this year, it hasn't been that way. And I, 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 but I don't think that it's because he's lost this team. I think he's got too much respect in the room and his reputation to, you know, to really have been lost. You know, to really lose the team uh, the way that maybe another manager might. Um, Andy Martino of FNY actually just spoke to Francisco Lindor about this topic, and Lindor said, "No way, that Buck has not lost the team, and they respect him a lot, and he's a special manager." And uh, Billy Upler said yesterday that you know Buck's the guy who they think is going to turn it around for the, for them. So, uh, yeah, I don't think although things have certainly looked different this year, and they've you know they've kind of gone south. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a matter of Buck losing the team. I think he still has the team uh, right now.
3: Given how uh, the two big aces have pitched, Scherzer and and Verlander, if the Mets were able to move them at the trade deadline, that would alleviate one problem. But in in some ways, it would almost kind of create a new one. Do they have any high level pitching prospects? It seems like all their high level prospects are position players, uh, because you you take a look. We're talking about maybe he doesn't want to spend as much money if the if the results are not going to be there. If they're able to get out of the contracts of Verlander and Scherzer and move them out. Who would they be looking? It would almost feel like they have to kind of remake the entire rotation going into next season,
4: right? But I think they'd be targeting uh, high-level pitching prospects to whoever they traded okay. either Scherzer or Verlander so, um I, I think that that's you know that's what you need to be asking for if you are moving those guys. You need to be asking for high-level pitching prospects with the upper level of the minor leagues that are almost major league ready. If you are you know sending a, a you know a Cy Young former Cy Young award winners to you know to a team uh i think that that's what they got to be uh asked for because you're right because the, they would be creating another hole at the major league level in the immediate in the immediate future but if they're getting someone who's close to major league level uh major league ready then i think it'll you know it'll also help them soon enough
2: pat it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks my friend we'll see what happens with this team whether they can find a way to clock back into it and then Uh, if they can't, who will will be gone, and what does this mean for the team going forward? So we'll be reaching out to you and seeing what's happening. Thanks for a couple of minutes.
4: Thanks so much for having me. All
2: right, that's Pat Ragazzo from Sports Illustrated. Gordon, some interesting things. We'll break it down next on 98.7 ESPN
0: enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code FirstTake and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parley selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
5: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
1: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
5: So
2: let me ask you, being on the outside looking in, am I to think that the job in Major League Baseball is so good for Thierry Epstein that he doesn't want another challenge of trying to bring another Major League team to get to a World Series? How, how do I view that as a Mets fan?
3: Um, well, here's the thing. If you're Steve Cohen and you're the billion-dollar man you make it worth his while, right? I mean, and, and we're talking about old wrestlers in the, in the, the, the line of Ted DiBiase. Everybody mm-hmm. has got a price. That's right. And Theo Epstein, I'm sure, has a price. Now, look, if he doesn't want Theo Epstein, okay, fine. But your list of baseball operations people cannot just be one person deep. No. What, what, what happens if David Stern says thanks but no thanks? Yeah. Another year. I mean, what what are we talking about? It just—I I don't know—I don't—I don't—I don't get it. Uh, to me, that—that's the biggest takeaway: is that he's—it he, was almost like he was saying, "Well, you know, we're we're still getting our feet uh, wet on this, and we're still putting things together." And we're—it's year three.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's a—that's you know, considering even considering what happened last year at the trade deadline and what you came away with. Just me. It should have been a little more emphasis on trying to get somebody in here. Absolutely. Even if you, even if it's not your number one. You always don't get your number one choice. Absolutely. You know, sometimes uh, you have to take number two. It, it just was, happens.
3: That was the time to sacrifice the prospects for a chance at a championship. Because now, now is not the time. Now is the right. time to regroup the farm system. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a misreading of the situation. Uh, you're, you're telling me that you wouldn't, knowing what you know now, you wouldn't have given up Brett Beatty to go out and get J.D. Martinez and yes. stick him at
2: DH. Absolutely. Yeah, you would have. You would have. And then that would have given Vientos some more time, and maybe he becomes your third baseman. Yeah. You know. You never know. You never know. Back to the phones. Liam's in Houston. Liam, you're next on ninety-eight seven.
6: Hey guys, thanks for uh, taking my call. Love hearing, hearing when you guys are together on the radio. Thanks, man. Um, I wanted to talk about the uh, uh, what was about the press conference today and, and the Mets. I mean, uh, for Steve Cohen. I mean, there's not much really that you can expect for him to say. Like he wasn't going to come out and say, "Well, we're going to fire Buck" or "We're going to fire Epler." Um, I did like to hear what was very what I was happy to hear is that he's considering, like, if the Mets don't do well, you know, not trying to save the season, which in my mind, it's just killing me to watch this team. Um, They're not going anywhere. So if we can trade off some people and uh, get something in return and then just reset for next year, that would be great. A guy I thought that uh, maybe, like, if we don't get an Epstein or a Sterns, uh the general manager of the Astros when they won last year the Astros didn't already sign him I don't know what happened to him but that may be someone that the Mets could entertain I mean the Astros you know he had he had the winning record of winning two World Series building that team and uh if we're trying to change the culture of the Mets why can't it be that that guy
2: well I have to say Liam thanks for the phone call you know it's 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 gotta be on the list. Okay, you have to start thinking about other options because suppose Milwaukee, they know that, that Stern, the Mets are after Stern. Go ahead, they they could give Stern a, a a job offer that he can't refuse. Then what are you doing? What happens then? Yeah. And, and and I mean I don't know him, but let's 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 this is business, right? Who's to say he's not getting into a bidding war where he gets to get more money where he is?
3: And a lot of times when teams ask permission and get turned down, sometimes that's the person saying, I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. And it's just the team saying, no, we're denying you permission to speak to the person. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not the case here. Uh, James Click was the guy that okay. uh, was the Astros GM. I think he's with the Blue Jays in some role, but he would be. Uh, it's not as the GM, so I'm sure he would be available
2: if um, the Mets wanted to go down that route. Uh, Doc is a Hewlett. Doc, you're next on 98.7.
7: How you doing, guys? Uh, Longtime Met fan. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm very tired of hearing about uh, things bad about uh, Buck Showalter. You got a team batting 239. Lindor came from the American League. Uh, I really wasn't in favor of that move. $35 million or $30 million a year. He's batting 220. He's had some good moments, but, you know, in general, All the guys they brought in, vogelback Lindor, um, you know, a lot of these guys are not producing. So then you go and you get two 40-year-old right-handed pitchers for $45 million a year. (laughs) I like the idea you guys have of starting over at this point, getting rid of these guys, building with the farm system, not trading away the young guys, bringing them up, letting them play, And, you know, it's a day to start over. Steve Cohn, I don't know what hand he had in picking any of the players. Probably not much of one. I'm not blaming him, but the guys who were called in the shots to bring in uh, the guys they've brought in, other than Sterling Marte, who's played well, I just really have been disappointed with the guys they brought in. And uh, I got to tell you, the biggest disappointment to me, and this may sound a little bit uh, whatever it may sound like, I was all in favor of the Mets going after Aaron Judge. I don't mm. know why they wouldn't go after a guy like Aaron Judge and bring him in across town and make a big uh, signing like that with a great guy, great player, great clubhouse leader, but they just didn't even seem to do that. I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say.
2: You know, it's funny, Doc. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, Gordon, big-time Yankee fan, said he, he expected the Mets to make a deal, make an offer and yeah. uh, well, Aaron Judge. Why would Judge. you not? That's, you know? that's your advantage. Kind your relieved. advantage of Steve Cohen. <laughs> kind of relieved, weren't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely.
3: Now, I, I still didn't get a bargain, and, and I don't know. Uh, the fact that he's hurt now, maybe he would have gotten hurt for the Mets, so we uh-huh. don't know. But um, w- we see what the Yankees look like without Aaron Judge, and we see what the Yankees look like with Aaron Judge. It's hard to believe that if the Mets had Aaron Judge that they wouldn't be significantly better than what they've been.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no question. They'd be better. Def- Although Marte has done a nice job defensively, but clearly all of a sudden Pete deployed.
3: Alonso is is oh. hitting behind Aaron Judge. I don't know. I, I'm getting the I'm getting the
2: sense that he would have better pitches to hit. I'm just guessing. And and, and Judge is hitting in front of Pete Alonso. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a win-win for both of them. Absolutely. You know, what does that lengthen your lineup. <laughs> yeah, that was always strange, and I guess that he didn't
3: want to get into a bidding war, uh, and maybe he's ruffled enough feathers within the baseball ownership because of the money that he spends. He didn't want to go down that road if, and, and worry about maybe there's a time where the Mets have a free agent and the Yankees outbid them, and I, I'm not sure. But, yeah, uh, the Mets did not get a lot right during the off season.
2: No, they didn't. They really – Gordon, when you think about it – Really, it was a lateral move, right? Verlander for Degrom, so that you figure that's a lateral move. Did they really improve? No, um, they didn't. When
3: when when Degrom pitched, he was excellent. Yeah, it just didn't pitch very often, and he had a better often. version of 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 Scherzer last year. And maybe the fact that Scherzer pitched so well when he pitched gave the Mets a false sense of security of mm-hmm. Hey, we can get old pitchers, and they'll still be the same." Yeah. Yeah. And and not only did Verlander not turn out to be the
2: same, Scherzer's not turned out to be the same either. You know, and once again, I get it. I mean, the guy came off a Cy Young Award season. Yep. So no, so I get it. it. I understand. Sure. I understand why you roll the dice. You you're not going to resign the Grom. I understood. So you wanted to get a top notch guy to the lineup. You still want to have the the big time one two for the postseason, a one two that you could feel like okay, one two, we're in pretty good shape. But Gordon, you got to get there. <laughs> For it to really work. Got to get there. And uh, eight and a half games behind the final wild card spot. And there's three of them.
3: It seems impossible that they are going to have any run in them at this point. How could they? It's too many teams they got to jump over. Well, they they would be able to jump over a bunch if they ever had uh, four games, a four game winning streak. They could jump over a bunch of teams, but. It's hard to envision them. They've only, what have they, they've only won four games this month. Yeah. Or five games this month. It's that oh. tailgate. I'm telling you right now, Larry, that the, the <laughs> company got in there. They did something. They touched something. They hit a button. Something went wrong once they got involved. I don't
2: know. Leave the company alone. <laughs> let me save you because they're coming down to. Right. Oh, to, yeah. To I'm going to see them on Friday. No, it wasn't the company. Yeah, oh, you you guys show, showed up.
3: Show. Everything went south.
2: Yeah, let me save you. I'm just, down, I'm just pointing down on... out the
3: coincidence. I'm yes, sure it's absolutely,
2: a of course. You know, things happen. Things happen. Remember, they're two and zero oh when they face them. When, when right? They, they,
3: be, the they better get back out there. Trust yeah, me. By them. looking at SNY, there are good seats still available, <laughs>
2: and maybe for a while. Yeah. If you show up early enough, they might even ask you to play,
3: <laughs> or
2: or you'll at least move down behind. behind oh, the, you can definitely move down. Absolutely, you can move down. More of your calls next on 9870 ESPN.
1: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Buddha
2: is in the Bronx.
1: He's next on 98.7. What's up, Buddha?
2: Okay, hey, what's going on, guys? I just called y'all,
8: you know, not even to talk about any specific team, but just to get into the philosophy of sports uh, in, in you. You know, I remember yesterday, Hunk, you were talking about when you were a football fan, you know, when you first were a football fan, you was a Steelers fan, similar to me. You know, mm-hmm. um... Gordon, you said you you became a Dolphins fan because of Marino, right?
3: Well, my father was a Jets fan, and I always went against whatever team he had. So he was the Mets. I took the Yankees. uh, He was a Jet fan. So as I got into football, it was the Dolphins, and then Marino came. I got into the Dolphins like 82, and then the 83 draft, Marino came shortly afterwards. So it was a little bit before that, but yeah, basically. All
8: right, that makes sense. I mean, I was a Yankees fan like my father was. Like you, you saw my father and Reggie Jackson together, stand right next to each other, they look like brothers.
6: Mm. So,
8: you know, that that was inevitable. You know, um, Dr. J, I went to, um, I forgot they used to play in the Nassau Coliseum or something like that. And I remember I was a little kid and it, like we went to the, we went to the game, I was with my father and my uncle. All I remember there was a lot of cigar smoke, but, um, you know, but Dr. J, like, like he just looked so graceful, you know what I mean? It, like, As I started getting older and started, like, really understanding sports, and, you know, when he got bought out or whatever by the Sixers, you know, that's how I ended up becoming a Sixers fan. You know, um, like, my father was a Knicks fan. You know, thank God I dodged that bullet. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, now with the Jets, like I said, oh, you know, um, listen, when I was growing up, first of all, I, I remember the 70s like they were yesterday. When we used to go outside and play football, especially with pads. When we used to call it "quote court, we play with equipment. I never saw a Jets or a Giants jersey in my part of the Bronx. You only saw three jerseys: you only saw the Raiders, the Steelers, and of course the Cowboys. And I mean, you know, my uncle liked the Cowboys, and he was a very arrogant guy, so you know that wasn't going to play out well. So, and then my father, you know, we loved the Steelers and everything. And then Muhammad Ali was a champ. You know what it was.
6: Mm-hmm. But
8: um, you know, I just sometimes I sit back and I think about you know, how my sports fandom changed or was adjusted. And it was just weird. I mean, I I think I told you this before. It was was a Monday night football game, and the Jets were playing the 49ers. And this was, like, when Montana was young. And, like, he wasn't even starting. Like, he was splitting time with Steve DeBerg. But they both, like, threw for, like, 250 yards against the Jets. So, you know, I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, like, Richard Todd, Yo, he goes mm. off, yo. He throws for like 300 yards, three touchdowns. And they just lost the game, you know, but it was close. And then, like I said, I got enamored with the Jets for some reason. You know, like I told you before, too. My father, when I switched teams, you know, he just said that famous line that I'll never forget, boy, you're stupid. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's just funny, man, how sports and things go. I've been listening to the last couple of days, you know, like with the Mets. What made you a Mets, man? Uh, who was who, who, the player that attracted you to
2: the Mets? It wasn't a player. It was um, my great-aunt was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. And so that was the, even though, it's, it's funny, even though the Giants were also a National League team, she she yeah. went with the Mets. And so I kind of liked the Mets too. When I started following them, it was, I, w- I was lucky. It was like, you know, late. It wasn't 62 or 63, but they was they were better. They were a little better. They were at least decent. You know they had Tom Seaver, they had Nolan Ryan. So I was, I'm looking at them. I'm like, hey, you know what? They they, they got a pretty good teams. It's not bad. The pitching's not bad. Maybe they'll get some hitting. So for me, that's how I got to be a Met fan. And for me, it's always been they've always had really pretty good pitching. The hitting has always been an issue with them.
8: Yeah, you know my wife and her father, you know God rest his soul, he was a big Mets fan, but um, she's a Mets fan too. And a lot of I know a lot of people, especially like like in the families of color, you know the American League you know, it, was, it, it wasn't it was loved as mm-hmm. much as the National League, you know, for many different reasons. But, you know, I'll just say this before I hang up with everything. Like, and I know, like, sometimes times could be tough and all that. But, honk, man, like, that 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 Mets team, I mean, Dob, Darryl, I mean, you might only got one World Series out of them, but at least you got a chance to see that. I mean, yep. you know, as a Jets fan, you know what it's like to sit here and watch the Giants, like, yeah. win every couple of years? I mean, they drafted Eli and All you heard was this guy stinks. You know, he's not his brother. He's little and everything. Then all of a sudden, the playoffs come and this guy turns into like, uh, you know, Captain Marvel or something. I mean, it's just it's really sad. And you know, I hope the Jets thing works out. You know, but and I'm not trying to be negative about the Jets. I know people say, yeah, you know, I'm being negative. But it's not that, man. It's just there's just something away the, the around the way that they're doing this that I don't think I've ever seen it win before, mm. and I'm just wondering, man, I mean, you know, God, what he said to the team, please? Just what he said to the damn team, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Pula. <Puda. laughs> Thanks for the phone call. It is uh, it is interesting, Gordon, to see the the level of frustration, right, depending on how long it's been since your team has won, but not only that, it's how come they don't do what this team does that always wins, right? How come they don't follow this path? Well, they do it. Teams. How many teams have we seen in the National Football League going to go from worst to first? Oh, one season. All the time. Yep,
3: absolutely. one season. There's a lot of it, of turnover between playoff teams every single year.
2: Yeah, and you're a Jet fan, and you're like. Why not us? How come this doesn't happen for us? And in your sense, same thing with Miami, oh, right? Oh,
3: absolutely.
2: Same thing. I, so, I, we're, we're
3: different teams. We're opposite teams. Or I hate his team. He hates my team. But it's the same story for the Jets and the Dolphins. I mean, and really, over the last 25 years, as scary as this sounds, the Jets have had more success than the Dolphins have had. Now, not in the last half of that 25 years, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it's a very similar story. I get it. And, and when you see things like when I want to watch the, uh, the Denver nuggets, when they had their parade, yeah. mm-hmm. if you're a fan of the jets or you're a fan of the Dolly, you're a fan of a team that you've never seen win. You see that. And, and part of you is like, man, that must be amazing. But part of you is like, am I ever going to get that? Am I yeah. ever going to have that moment? It is a lot of jealousy involved, at least for me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and anger. Oh, absolutely. No anger because... you know, and, and that's another thing, because a lot of times when you're going through it, you know it's not going to work. Because mm-hmm. what you've seen already, you know for sure. I remember having arguments with Don uh, about when, when Dave Wanstatt was the head coach. Uh, I said, Don, it's not, they're, they're, they're never going to win like this group. This is not going to work. And sure enough, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it turns out over the last 25 years, that's been the glory days. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's very frustrating. There's a lot of anger. There's no question. I mean, yeah. I me mean, as a Nick fan, give
2: me a break,
3: right? Yeah, <laughs> because you. There's a lot of times you go into years knowing. Well, it's not this year is it, it, even before it begins. This is nothing. This yep. is just another wasted
2: year. Exactly, exactly. Especially recently, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you have win totals that that don't oh. that don't begin with oh. a three. Right. You got win totals that begin with a one and a two. Mm-hmm. Then you know, like, what are we playing for? What what is the the highlight the highlight of a season we beat we beat the spurs, we yeah. beat the spurs how did that happen
3: and <laughs> with know? some of those next teams the the real worst part was you knew you were sunk for several years,
2: yes, because you were exactly.
3: capped out and you yep. had to get under the cap and you had to move this contract and that kind con- and you're staring up at that, and it's like pushing a rock up a hill
2: sometimes, and then Gordon. Covering those teams. Oh, (laughs)
6: Yeah.
2: They're not in the mood to talk. When you know, middle of the season, they got nothing. Nothing. They have nothing. Nothing. They had nothing to say. No shot. Coach got nothing to say. Players got nothing to say. You know, going in. I mean, I remember, Gordon, I remember uh, a couple of former colleagues going into the Cleveland Cavaliers locker room, okay? Uh, Robin Lundberg, who's working does a great job with Sports Illustrated now, goes into the Cleveland Cavaliers locker room with LeBron James, the company, and says, "You know, you're 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 our pseudo New York team <laughs> because the Knicks don't win." Yeah, yeah <laughs> there are some really
3: it's there bad have been years, some really bad teams. Yeah,
2: yeah. So Buddha, we know. Believe yes. me, we know. We know. Yes, I was. I I I remember. Yeah, eighty six was great, but then the Long frustrating thing ago. is the frustrating thing is Gordon. You're thinking, maybe not dynasty, but maybe not what the Yankees did, right? right. You're not but there thinking should have that. been more than one for that. But team. should have been more than one. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you're thinking at least '88. How come not '88? Okay, I know Herzoger had his consecutive Ugh, shutout streak, yeah. which was unbelievable right. at that time. But I mean, Gordon, we should have still beat them. How do we not beat them? You know, and then just the and then the frustration of, I mean, you know, you're looking at Doc Gordon and Gordon, you're thinking. Oh, we got a great pitcher for for the next five six years. Who's uh-huh. going to hit him? Right. And you know his 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 issues. You know substance abuse problems and the things that he had the personal issues off the field. And then you know, the team is broken up. It's like how, how did this happen? We only have one championship with this crew. One.
3: Yeah, they went from a hundred and eight wins, and then they had some decent years. But yeah, by the nineties, it, it turned done. quickly. It turned bad. It turned bad. Jeff the Jeff Torborg years.
2: Oh. <laughs> You're still trying to get to that worst team money can buy, huh? Yeah, yeah. You're riding around that corner, aren't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Brett Saberhagen. (laughs) Vince Coleman. Those guys. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah, kind of like this Met 5-2 that they're trailing now. Buck Showalter just got tossed.
3: Yeah, Uh, I I, I, I guess they
2: did not rule that a swing on the hit-by-pitch. Yeah, they didn't rule it a swing, you know. Guy hit him on the hand, but no, he swung. No, he hit him on the hand first. Oh. Well, maybe they have a rally in them, Gordon. Do they have a rally in their bones, Larry? The words Probably of Michael not. K. Probably not. We'll okay. see what happens next on 987 ESPN.
4: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
0: This is the Dan
1: Grosser Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Gordon, I gotta tell you,
2: um I missed you a little fight tonight. Tommy Fam's doing all he can. You know what? He's been he's been good. He has he has actually turned it play. around.
3: You need a couple more of them, but yeah, yeah, he has absolutely turned it around. I went back at Larry and I looked at that ninety three team. the yes. team, the worst team the money could buy. Here is a uh-huh. name that I'm sure you have not thought of. Uh, since that time, okay, Anthony Young, wow, Anthony Young went uh, for fans that are too young to know. He was like the 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 poster child for the 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 tough luck reliever. Mm-hmm. So much so, in 1993, he went one and sixteen. He had a decent ERA at 3.77 ERA as ERA plus was above average 107. But he, he, he always took the loss, one and 16. and this was after the year before, where he had a decent, another decent year, not as good, but he was two and 14. You imagine being Anthony Young after a two and 14 season where you don't pitch you're not terrible, but you're just pitching a lot of bad luck. Well, it can't get any worse than that. And then the next year it does. In a two-year span, he went three and 30, Larry, out of the bullpen. Oh.
2: It's a lot of opportunities.
3: <laughs> it is a lot of opportunities.
2: And unfortunately Man. for him, he was the he he was the pitcher of record. Yeah, he was the pitcher of record too often, unfortunately. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. But, I mean, that was the, oh. Yeah, that's tough. You talk about a bad clubhouse. Oh, yeah. that was a bad clubhouse. That was a bad clubhouse. Man.
3: Some tough guys. Vince Coleman was there. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murray did not exactly, it uh, was not exactly a sunshine, mean, sunshine Eddie, and rainbows.
2: Mean Eddie, Eddie Murray loved, you know, Eddie Murray was great to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Bonilla is going to show you the Bronx. That's it. That was crazy. That was crazy. Brett um, Saberhagen. Mm hmm. The Bleach guy. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, people don't even remember Gordon, Art McFarlane. That right. was the gentleman that worked for Channel Seven. Yeah. He was he was not a sports guy. He was No, he was
3: not. He was a news guy. Be,
2: he was a news guy, but he goes in there and runs into Bobby Bonilla, and it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's it's just it's how could this, how could that team be that bad? I don't know.
3: They were fifty nine oh. and one oh three. That's bad. You think we have bad teams now. 59 and 103 and a baseball you lose a hundred games in a baseball season, you almost can't describe what it's like because it's been so long since it's happened.
2: Yeah. Here. It's, it's crazy. And just think, well, you had to figure it wasn't a good year when one of the relievers lost sixteen games. Kind of tells <laughs> right. you that's just one guy. <laughs> kind of tells you how the season went. Yeah. You know, oh, those was, those were the So those were the years, right? And and that those were the years after eighty six and eighty-eight. And then you 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 disappeared until you know Bobby Valentine came, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's the late '90s, and you know you, you you've got a resurrection, and you're facing the Yankees in the World Series, and you know things are things are looking up. So you thought,
3: yeah, it was a long stretch there from '86. Yes, they they win the World Series '88. They get back to the playoffs, and then they don't get back to the playoffs again until '99. That's right. I guess it's that's a little right. different then because there weren't so it wasn't, uh, you know, wildcard teams, uh, mm-hmm. everywhere around, but still that's, it's a long time.
2: That's a long time. That's, that's, that's the term long suffering met fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where that term comes from. That you know, like the eighties Gordon, when you oh, guys were absolutely. struggling a little bit,
3: absolutely. Now, it has gotten a little bit um messed up with people that they think that the 80s the Yankees were uh, just horrendous every single year no they had some good teams in the 80s and they didn't have wild cards back then so if they had they had great hitting couldn't get the pitching right and and for people that don't remember what it was like living with George every year manager oh. fired gm fired yep. pitching coach fired this guy in this guy out Billy so Martin the 80s rehired. <laughs> yeah, the 80s, they weren't that bad um, all the time. Now, as it got to the end of the 80s and then the early 90s, I think 90 was the really bad year where they mm-hmm. lost 95 games. But even then, they were terrible, and they still only lost 95 games. Wow.
2: That's but crazy. by
3: 92, they, that was the last year that they were under 500, and they've been over 500 every year since 1992. Larry, I was 92. I was 21 years old. I'm a lot older than that now. (laughs) Just uh, maybe. (laughs) I mean, twenty-one. If you had told me when I was twenty-one in 1992 that the next time the Yankees will be uh, under 500, you will be a father.
2: Wow. That's a that's a long time. See that? Who knows? Unbelievable. I might be a grandfather. You never know. You never know. Well, I tell you what. Have a snack. I'll see you tomorrow night at ten. At ten. Sounds good, Larry. All right. That wraps up this edition of the Dan Grazda Show. And neither marks is next on 98.7 ESPN.
3: What the hell is he talking about Larry? <laughs> oh my god.